Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am your host, Father Thomas Loya. This week we will observe in the church, east and west actually, and especially in North America, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Now, Our Lady of Guadalupe, of course, is an event that occurred in 1531. It occurred during this week, actually, December 9th, 10th, and 12th. December 9th, 10th, and 12th. It was an event where the Mother of God appeared as a pregnant mother of God to Blessed Juan Diego. He later became known as Blessed and then eventually a saint. And he was an Aztec Indian. He had recently converted to Christianity. And during this time, again, we're talking about the 1500s, the Christian Spaniards were in that area of Mexico and bringing Christianity there. Well, they were bringing Christianity to a peoples known as the Aztecs. And the Aztecs had a custom of human sacrifice. And the Blessed Mother appeared to Juan Diego to stop this human sacrifice. So she actually is an icon, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little bit of a pun, because we're going to talk about her icon that she herself painted. But she is the icon of life, of, of pro-life. That's why she appeared, to stop human sacrifice and to bring about the sense of love, the dignity of the human person. And as always, she appears to somebody who is simple and poor, but pure of heart. And she relies on that person, as she did with the three children of Fatima. She relies on them to bring the message to others. And it's often the pattern, just as it was, for instance, even in Lourdes. And even where there were appearances and miraculous icons in the Eastern churches, there's always at first a skepticism. And the people who receive the visions often ask for the Virgin Mary to do something that will help others to believe. This happened in Lourdes, it happened in Fatima, and it happened in Guadalupe, Mexico. Now, what's significant about this observance for us as Eastern Christians is, and also for our purposes here on Light of the East, is that it is one of those, what I would call, convergence points of East and West. And that's why we're talking about it today in this program, because a program here, Light of the East, 
Yes, it is about presenting the gifts of the eastern lung of the church. But it is also dedicated to unity in the church, which means we find those places of convergence between east and west. We present the riches of the western lung of the church too, particularly Latin rite. But primarily our goal is the presentation of the eastern churches, but always with the eye of unity. And one of the things that unifies humanity, actually, are the arts, things that have to do with imagery or art, like music, even food. (laughs) You know, the beautiful things of life have a way of uniting humanity. And art is one of those, and in particular, religious art, and most specifically, what we would call icons. So today we focus on what is very famous about this whole event of Our Lady's appearance in Guadalupe, is her icon, the icon that she herself painted. There was a famous icon in the Eastern churches called the icon not made with human hands, from which we get the story of Veronica's veil, actually. But this icon was made from, well, human hands, but in a very supernatural way. The story goes like this. When the Blessed Mother appeared to Juan Diego, and again, he asked for proof so that others would believe that she is, in fact, appearing to him. And of course, as she always does, she asked for a chapel to be built on that spot and for the reform of people's lives. What she did was she told them to go and gather some roses. And it's a type of rose that did not grow in that region or that time of year. But lo and behold, they were growing where the Blessed Mother told Juan Diego to go and pick them. So he went and he picked them and he gathered up these roses. And the Virgin Mary herself placed them in his mantle, you know, like a kind of a frontal piece that he was wearing. It kind of lays over the shoulders and lays down the front of the body. And he went to the Bishop of Guadalupe with these roses. Now, this happened December 12th. And when he let down the mantle, the roses spilled out onto the floor. Roses, again, that should never have been found in that area of the world at that time of the season. But on his mantle was this beautiful icon of the Virgin Mary that miraculously appeared there. Now, this is how the story goes, but there has been a lot of exhausting study, investigation of this mantle and of this image. And the overwhelming opinion of experts, and I mean they have really studied this, something like they do with the Shroud of Turin, the overwhelming verdict on this is that, well, there are several things that this icon was not made with any paint known on earth. There are no brush strokes, yet there is very definitely an image. The image is actually much older and intact than it should be because it was painted on a mantle that was made of a certain kind of fiber from a certain kind of cactus, only lasts about maybe 20, 30 years. But this mantle is now intact over hundreds of years. And there is no known substance that this icon has been made from, but it's there. So they've studied this and they just can't pin it down. So the obvious conclusion is that this has to have been something supernatural. And in fact, it has been accepted as such. Pope John Paul II was there. Pope Paul VI has made declarations about it. The church has definitely accepted it. It is one of the largest pilgrim sites in the world. Guadalupe. In fact, people will walk on their knees a long way to get into the chapel itself where the icon remains to this day. Now, the icon itself, like all icons, is rich with meaning. You see, the icon, again, this is another reason why Our Lady Guadalupe, the observance of this feast day and the icon itself especially, is what I call a convergence point of east and west. It's important to acknowledge these convergent points. 
Because we sometimes want to delineate our differences, maybe too much. And yes, we have differences, but the differences between East and West, the two expressions of the one same faith, have more to do with their venerable ancient expressions and the emphasis of the faith. The faith, let's face it, our faith is like a many-faceted diamond. And it takes more than one right, more than one expression to present the whole faith. And that's okay. That's the way it is, like a diamond. But sometimes the differences get overemphasized as if we have so little convergence points. But we do. And we have to look at those for the sake of unity as a place we can come together. And certainly it is in the iconography of the church, even with an icon like this that was made from very, very special hands, the most special hands, the hands of the Blessed Mother herself, and in a supernatural way, definitely supernatural way, scientifically proven. Now, there are a few skeptics. There's always going to be some skeptics. I don't know why they're skeptical, because the scientific evidence is overwhelming. The opinion is unanimous. It's pretty much unanimous that this is something very extraordinary. Can't be explained, but yet it's there. As I mentioned, the icon has many, many meanings to it. Everything in it is purposeful, just like icons are. The composition, the color, the proportion, the details, any kind of wording or lettering, any figures, representations from nature, anything and everything is purposeful because icons are connecting us with heaven. They're the meaning point of heaven and earth, their way of visually helping us to touch God, to touch the next life. And that's why they're significant and that's why they are convergence points between East and West, as this icon of Guadalupe is as well. So let's look at some of the imagery. First of all, we start with the composition itself. The composition is about four and a half feet in size, which makes it almost life-size, or close to it. And it is done in a way where the Virgin Mary is standing there, but her head is tilted downward. Now, some of you might be familiar with the icon of Our Lady of Guadalupe. If not, I'll try to paint a picture as best I can. They say that radio is a theater of the mind, so I'll try to have theater here in your mind as best I can. But picture the Virgin Mary. You know that many images of the Virgin Mary have been painted. You're familiar with enough of them. Picture her standing there, but her head is tipped. It's tipped to her right. It's looking downward. And her eyes are almost shut. It's, she has very heavy-lidded eyes. They're almost shut. And that is significant. It's significant just that alone. Starting with the composition itself is already communicating something very special to us and something that both Christians and the Aztec people who would have observed this icon would have understood. This is what's interesting about this icon. The Virgin Mary spoke through this icon in ways that the native people would have understood. I'm going to talk more about that when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loy on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Do you know what the Christmas spirit is? Some say the Christmas spirit is a feeling, a feeling of love, joy, and peace that comes this time each year. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad answer. It's just incomplete. The Christmas spirit is the living presence of the third member, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, actively animating and perfecting the lives of Christians. In fact, 
The love, joy, and peace that we associate with the Christmas spirit are what St. Paul calls the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Many wish the Christmas spirit could be with us all year round. Well, I've got news for you. It can. Why do you think I'm so jolly? So even long after the Christmas decorations are stored away, our hearts can be filled 365 days with the same love, joy, and peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds if we are open to the power of the Holy Spirit, the true Christmas spirit. For Christ is born, glorify Him. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We're looking at Our Lady of Guadalupe, not only the event, but the icon itself that was painted by the Virgin Mary herself in a supernatural way because this icon is very much an instrument of convergence, of unity between East and West. And in fact, there is devotion to it among some Orthodox. There certainly is among the Eastern Catholics. It's on the Byzantine Catholic calendar itself on December 12th and certainly is in the Latin Rite. So it's definitely worthy of our attention as an instrument of unity and conversion. As I mentioned before the break, the Virgin Mary is depicted with her head tilted downward. Her eyes are heavily lidded. They're almost closed, but they're not entirely, and that's significant too. We'll get to that in a moment. She's looking downward because the Aztecs would have known that she was not, therefore, God. See, the Aztecs, for whom the Virgin Mary came, she came to heal them, to convert them from this human sacrifice that they were practicing. Their depiction of their gods, and of course they worshiped, of course, you know, several gods, pagan gods and so on, their worship of their gods, the way they depicted their gods, was on a straight-on view or looking up or straight out with large eyes and so on. Well, here the Virgin Mary is looking down, which already is saying that she is not God, but she is also very special because the way she's adorned in this icon and with what is around her body. She's adorned with a rather turquoise color outer robe, which to the Aztecs would have meant that she had a regal character. She was a queen. She was royalty. And on that robe are stars. And experts who have studied this say that the stars that are on that robe are actually arranged in what would have been the actual constellation in the night sky of that time, December 12th, 1531. The robe is trimmed with gold, which again points to her royalty, the fact that she is special. And around her are rays of gold, like lights coming out from her, which again would give her the sense of being 
from heaven, having a, a celestial character to it, something very, very special that would have been understandable to both Christians and to Aztecs as well. Now, inside of her robe, on her inner robe, it's actually a shade of pink, which some believe may be a symbol of purity and also of uh, virginity and of light. It's the symbol of the rising sun, indicating that she was ushering in a new sunrise, a new era for these people. But on that inner robe that she wears are some very interesting designs. They form actually interesting faces, the faces of some of the Aztec gods. Yet, on the heads of these faces is actually the mitre that a Latin Rite bishop wears. Again, indicating that it would be the Catholicism, the church, it would now become the leaders, the inspiration for these Aztec people. Many of the iconographic details in this icon, painted by the Virgin Mary, have this kind of complementary to it. She's presenting what the Aztecs would have known, something from their culture, from their belief, even though they were pagan. She actually grafts onto those images But she superimposes the image of the church and of Christianity over top of that, as if communicating to them, okay, I'm going to take what you knew, what you believed, but now I'm going to take it to its better level. I'm going to teach you what is going to basically supersede this, a better way, what is now going to be what you will believe. So it's interesting how the Virgin Mary, just as she did in Fatima, she appears to people, to humanity, in ways that they will understand, they will relate to. After all, she is the mother of all humanity. So it would be understandable that she would do this. It's also very wise and very effective. Also on this icon, the Virgin Mary is seen with an angel beneath her. The angel is holding her up. And underneath the angel are the wings of eagles. Now again, to the Aztecs, they believe that the eagles would take the sacrifices that were made to the gods in heaven. The Virgin Mary is already incorporating this idea of a sacrifice being taken to heaven, something Aztecs would have already had in their faith, in their belief. But the angel is depicting the fact that this Virgin Mary and this sacrifice is being taken to heaven and and that the Virgin Mary is even higher than the angels themselves. So they have the angel beneath her. There's a crescent moon under her feet as well, which has a couple possible symbolisms. One is from Revelations chapter 12, verse 1, where it talks about the woman with the stars around her and the moon beneath her feet. You can look that up in Revelations chapter 12. It also has the symbolism of Mexico itself, because the Aztec word for Mexico is Metzixco, which means the center of the moon. So the moon also symbolizes the Aztec moon god, fertility, birth, and life. And speaking of fertility, one of the most unique features of this icon, at least for me it is, is that the Virgin Mary is depicted, as I said at the beginning of the program, as though she were pregnant. That's right. Beneath her hands, which are brought together in prayer, right beneath her hands, her arms, you can actually see a a kind of a, if you want to call it a a bit of a, like when a woman is pregnant, a bit of a a roundness to her, her belly area. And on top of her belly is an interesting black-colored ribbon. In Aztec culture, this meant that a woman was with child. There's other meanings to these ribbons as well. In fact, there's several meanings to a number of the iconographic symbols in this icon. But basically, they all have to do with the Virgin Mary 
coming as the mother of the sanctity of life. That's why this icon is, in a sense, the, <laughs> like the, the poster woman for pro-life. Another reason why it's very significant. The ribbons also symbolize the sticks that would be made, that would be used to make fire. And again, fire had to do with, especially centuries ago, life, right? Heat, heat to cook food and to warm things, to burn things. So there's a number of meanings to the black ribbon that's over her belly in this icon, but all have to do with life, with newness of life. Her hands are brought together in prayer, but there's a little separation in the last couple fingers of her hand. So basically, her fingers are separated in a group of three and two, which of course depicts the Trinity and and also the two natures of Christ. And her hands point upward to a little brooch that she has, which is a symbol of Jesus Christ. In the icon also are a number of symbols that also relate to other aspects of what the Aztecs would have understood, from color to shapes to various kinds of designs. But The important thing is, is that this icon brings together all that iconography always has in it, those same elements, those elements that are very symbolic, but not in a, just a superficial sense. You know, sometimes my background is in art and sometimes I scratch my head a bit when I see artists or art critics uh, waxing a little bit too much over the meaning of certain things in paintings or icons that sometimes can almost seem a bit contrived or they're reading into it. But with iconography, it's not that way. Everything is very purposeful. And certainly it is in this icon made by special hands in a very supernatural way. And therefore, this icon is that convergence point. And as is the devotion, the meaning. The Virgin Mary came to talk about life, the sanctity of life, the respect for the human person. And that is neither east or west. It is both and. It is human. It is godly. It is divine. It is what truth is about. She came to speak about the, and even to model in this very icon, the importance of newness of life as she depicts herself as a pregnant woman. How often do you really see the Virgin Mary actually depicted pregnant in icons? and even in medieval paintings. Sometimes you do, but it's not that common. But here she purposely comes as a pregnant woman to show that even life in the womb is sacred. Life outside the womb is sacred. So this icon is a convergence point, not just in terms of the church, east and west, but in terms of our humanness, in terms of truth itself, in terms of what is right, Now, Juan Diego eventually was believed. Of course, as I mentioned, there's always some skeptics. And from that point on, this has become one of the most significant points of pilgrimage in the entire church, in the entire world, really. Millions of people come to Guadalupe, and rightly so, both Eastern Christians and Western Christians. Our point today is that when we look at especially the art of the church, even art that is supernatural, such as this icon of Our Lady Guadalupe, that we find in the art of the church oftentimes those meaning points that we really, really need in the church. Because in the end, we are one faith, really. Yes, we emphasize different aspects of it. We come at it from different angles. 
But it is not a reason for us to be apart. It is not a reason to overemphasize differences. The differences are supposed to be complementary, just like man and woman, male and female. They are to complement and complete one another. You cannot speak of humanity by speaking only about men or only about women. You must speak about both of them. Same is true with the East and the West. The church does breathe, as St. John Paul II said, with both lungs, East and West. And certainly this event of Our Lady Guadalupe, and especially its icon, is an example of a very, very relevant and convenient and effective point of convergence for East and West, and in fact for all humanity. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. of Advent with Father Dominic Legge. St. John the Baptist could be called the patron saint of Advent because he announces the coming of the Lord. And this is what we're waiting for in the Advent season. What is one of the key lines from John the Baptist, his advice to us? He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. This could be a very nice verse to meditate on throughout Advent. How can Christ increase in my life? Well, some very practical recommendations. Think of him more often. Very simple, think of Jesus. And then when you think of him, ask him for his help. Ask him to help you with whatever you are doing right now. Ask him to be present in your life. And then ask for the grace of humility. Ask to decrease so that as you decrease, Christ in your life will increase and then you will be a face of Christ to those around you. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!